All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Blitz Period. I'm your host, Jalen Ross, and we've got a pretty special guest here today, uh, one of the most important people in the social media streets when it comes to the recruiting game of college football. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at HaysFawcett3, and he also is a, a part of On3.com and their recruiting stuff. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in the one and only Hayes Fawcett. Man, Jalen, appreciate you for uh, having me on the show. Uh, looking forward to having a good conversation about Oklahoma football and Oklahoma recruiting. Yep. Yes, sir. So uh, I kind of want to get into this. Now, I do want to preface this by saying that this isn't going to be the kind of, and this is for the listeners, this isn't going to be that kind of interview where we just get a whole ton of scoop on uh, certain recruits. And we're just going to tell you that everybody in the in the class is, or everybody uh, that's visited is committing and stuff like that. We just want to kind of get inside Hayes' brain as far as the Oklahoma recruiting class right now, which has caught many off guard with how good it's been, the momentum they've picked up even through the season that this has been. So I do want to start off by asking you, Oklahoma's gone through a lot in the last few, or really almost almost the last year, uh, when you talk about a, a roster overturn, a coaching change, Brent Venables comes in, and there were even people that were questioning his ability to to recruit as a head coach. I don't know why, but they, it existed. But I want to ask you this. What's what's kind of been your overall gauge right now of Brent Venables, the recruiter, the coach, and then really just the Oklahoma football team as a total? Because right now they're sitting at six and five, six and six, maybe, depending on when you listen to this, or seven and five, one or the other. But what's been kind of your thoughts on the outside looking? Man, you know, um, despite the record and stuff, you know, all Oklahoma fans are used to, you know, success and everybody had this uh this initial thought that as soon as Venables would, you know, come in, they were expecting, you know, the usual 10 win season and stuff like that, but that hasn't been the case. And obviously that doesn't his first year doesn't de- define him as a head coach. Um I think he's I think he's doing a great job, you know. Um came in and instilled a culture that's that's gonna be very good for years to come. And then not only that, he uh he also hired some some really good uh, coaches around and the you know to support him on the coaching staff and stuff like that and even more on top of that his recruiting in my opinion really really has um, been top notch like arguably I think Oklahoma you could say they have the the best class top to bottom I mean you look at you look at five star quarterback Jackson Arnold you got him you got PJ Attaboy. You know, just going down the list, it's it's just stacked. So I I really think, you know, the season right now isn't um isn't a reflection of what's to come for Oklahoma football. Yeah, and so I I mean I agree with you as far as that and in terms of you talk about the culture and things like that that are having to be rebuilt around Oklahoma and uh all these different ins and outs of it and people you know, like one of the biggest things that people have flipped out about on Twitter is, you know, OU loses these games and everybody all of a sudden thinks that, oh, well, this class is going to fall apart or Jackson Arnold's going to decommit or all these guys are going to decommit. PJ Adabari was the recent name that came up with people thinking he was going to go uh, to Ohio State or something like that. There's just all these different things and people start to wet the bed when, you know, it all falls down. But they've had a class that's stuck together. They've only lost. Uh, three guys from this class and Caleb Spencer, Ashton Cozart, and uh, Colton Vasek. Now, the Vasek decommitment makes all the sense in the world. The other two, I guess you can kind of argue about. But 
What do you think it is that's really been holding this class together at the moment? I really do think it's, uh, you know, the belief in Venables and the staff. I mean, you look at that visit they had, um, I forgot what weekend it was, but it was, you know, essentially the weekend that secured uh, Colton Basic at the time and, um, you know, where y'all ultimately had the silent commitment of David Hicks and we know how that turned out, but yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk, yeah, yeah. And we'll talk about uh, David Hicks later, but anyway, um, I think, I think that really getting all those guys over there and just kind of seeing firsthand and talking to the staff in person, I think that really did stand out to the recruits. Cause I mean, after talking to some guys that went on that visit, it was very eye opening, you know, learned a lot about, um, Oklahoma, the coaching staff, like I said, and then being able to be there with the with the class leaders, guys like Jackson Arnold and stuff like that. I think that really did stand out to those players. And and honestly, man, um, you know, like you said, a lot of fans freak out about you know a team losing games and stuff like that. But all in all, a recruit isn't going to change his mind based off of you know a few losses in the season like that. That's expected, you know. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's really what I have to say about that. Yeah. And so, uh, so this kind of leads me into this when it comes to Jackson Arnold. So Jackson has been playing his, his tail off the last few weeks for a uh, didn't guy or he's, I mean, the kids thrown like five touchdowns in each game. I think, uh, he's just been, he's been mind blowing. And of course, OU fans being OU fans and Texas fans being Texas fans with them having the commitment of Arch Manning. And then us having Jackson Arnold, there's obviously some banter and people say that Arnold's better than Manning and all these other things. But here's the deal. So, because I, I want to ask you this just as much since you follow it so much and you're in tune with these guys, mm-hmm. where do you put Jackson Arnold on the list of top quarterbacks in this class? Man, this class right here, quarterback class, I mean, you, you look at the top 10. I mean, this is really, really one of the, the, the best quarterback classes in a while um and in my opinion man Jackson Arnold is in that top three top top four I mean dude you you look at what he's done you know the last two years I mean he's playing the toughest um toughest competition in Texas last year he led his team to a uh state runner-up against Austin Westlake who was you know arguably the best team in the nation last year had Cade Klubnick um, Colton Vassett, guys like that. Then he turns around, um, has a great offseason, goes to the Elite 11 Finals, wins the MVP there. And then, I mean, this season, he's done everything you can ask him to do. He's he's undefeated, um, playing great ball right now, man. Um, and I, I really I really think, I mean, you, you, just, you just can't put Jackson Orr outside of the top five uh, quarterback rankings right now based on what he's doing. I mean, um, you still got – he still has the rest of the, the season playoff-wise, and then you go to the – I think he's playing in the, the All-American game in San Antonio, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, those two um, final tests, I guess you could say, um, we'll really see where he, uh, where he finishes and, like, stacks up against other quarterbacks, even though he has shown us he's definitely one of those guys. Yeah, and I mean, I'll be the first to admit this. I had no idea who he was when he committed to Oklahoma, and uh, I saw your I saw your graphic, 
when he committed. And I remember going and watching his huddle tape actually right then and there in class when he committed. And I said, okay, I, I like the kid. He reminded me a little bit of Jason White uh, in the sense of a guy that can run, a guy that can throw. Uh, and Jason White could run before he had no knees before he left Oklahoma. But um, kind of as the months went on, you talked about it, you know, the Elite 11 stuff in the offseason. And, you know, I mean, goodness, this was a guy who had Geyer in the state championship last year and had them competing. And he actually came in and, and took over for uh, one of the kids that they had that ended up going to A&M and took them all the way there. And, of course, as you mentioned, they ran into Westlake, which was just loaded so yeah. this year, uh, I think we are we're all expecting Geyer to win it this year. So, um, and I'll probably get into Jackson a little bit later. But uh, next up, I just want to see. I want to know your overall thoughts on. And I'll be the first to tell you this because I honestly, like, if this was the spring right now, I would tell you I wouldn't expect I wouldn't have expected this class to be where it is. And it's not even just the guys they've got committed. It's the guys that they're in the races for. I mean, they've been in races for guys that two years ago, they wouldn't have had a shot with. And I'm talking specifically on the defensive side of the ball. You see all the defensive talent they've loaded up on in this class and guys that they're going to continue to get ahead of the early signing period. And they're going to get even more ahead of the, the late signing period. But I want to know your overall thoughts because it was a huge summer. So just your overall thoughts on the recruiting class as a whole i mean you can talk about you know the players uh the level of talent that these kids have and then you know what is it about norman that's been appeasing to them or appealing to them not appeasing man this summer was huge for oklahoma um you know if i had if i really had to put together like what what you know what teams had the most successful summer in recruiting oklahoma would definitely be in that top two top three because, I mean, dude, the guys they landed, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, you got P.J. Attaboy, you got – and then you landed uh, Jack Wheat, J.P. Petaway, um, <coughs> Caden Green, McCoy Vickers, guys like that, man. It was just uh, very impressive uh, what they've done. And then, then you mentioned the defensive side of the ball thing. I, I really think that is a direct reflection on the guys you've hired and Brent Venables, Coach Chavis, guys like that. Um, I mean, man, the the defensive line, I mean, like I said earlier, you really can probably argue that you'll have a top five defensive line class alongside the likes of, um, you know, like Clemson and Florida, stuff like that. Um, got Derek LeBlanc, PJ, um, Ashton Sanders. And, yeah. and, then, and then, like we were saying earlier, I mean, you still are in the running with David Hicks, who ultimately did silent over the summer, and he he just had his his OV to a he just has OV to um to Oklahoma for Bedlam, which I think it went pretty good for him. Um, and yeah, th this class just really is, I think, probably one of the best that Oklahoma has had in a while, top top to bottom, offensive yeah, yeah. and defensively. Well, see, the thing with Hicks, too, is like just the fact because, I mean, I remember when he committed to A&M, I, I thought that that was it. I thought Oklahoma was going to kind of close the line of communications there and let him go on about his business. But now you see that they they continue to fight. And, I mean, I've been on record on the page saying this, that I do 
have a strong feeling he's going to end up putting pen in the paper with Oklahoma. Obviously, we'll see what happens. I think he's got another visit to A&M coming up. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But um, the thing with the summer was there were a ton of surprises, like the Colton Vassett commitment, which obviously didn't stick. But I think everybody was surprised by that. I know for one, I was when um, I got word that he was kind of silently committed and then he came, he made it publicly known. I was shocked by that one. I, I want you to give me one guy from this class that, well, actually, okay, so let's ask two separate questions. One guy from this class that surprised you by picking Oklahoma, because we all, you know, everybody saw your tweets that you put out about Oklahoma recruiting and stuff like that. So a guy that surprised you, and then one that surprises you that they're actually in the hunt for. Okay, for sure. The one that really did surprise me, uh, based off of the conversations that we did have leading up to his commitment, was uh, was definitely Anthony Evans. That was a that was a pretty crazy story. I mean, the the night before or the day before it was Georgia, and yeah. then that morning he he ultimately changed his mind. So I had to you know make a graphic for for that one as well. But um, we'll see where things finish with him. I, I I know you've heard a lot about the the Georgia rumors and stuff with him yeah. how he. He visited um, for that Tennessee game and stuff like that. But I did text him a while back, and he said, um, Oklahoma mid-spot, like, no need to worry right now, stuff like that. So that I mean, that, that can be a positive. Um, and then was the other question, like, who who's the most – who am I surprised you? A guy that you're surprised that they're actually, like – in the race for like they might end up finishing in say the top three or something for this kid man it, it's gotta be it's gotta be both um hicks and bowen i mean both of them are committed both are five-star guys top top 25 guys i mean number one at their position and on the defensive side of the ball both have a really really good shot at flipping oklahoma so i mean dude if y'all if y'all can go two for two right there flip those two guys this class will just be an absolute grand slam, honestly. What do you think? No, I agree with that because, you know, here's the deal. I, I've, I've been on record saying this as well. Um, you know, when it comes to people that think that, like, Oklahoma's class is going to fall apart by people, I mean, our own fan base. I never – I've been the one that's always said recruits don't care about results, and it mainly has to do with the fact that – these kids know they can come in and play right away. Because here's what I'll tell you about somebody like a Peyton Bowen. Oklahoma hasn't had a safety in, in – the heck was that? Anyway, um, Oklahoma hasn't had a safety in I don't know how many years that, that's been a true playmaker. I mean, maybe Tony Jefferson was that guy 10, 10 11 years ago. Uh, but they haven't really had a guy like that in a long time. And at the moment, they've got, you know, Billy Bowman will be back next year. Key Lawrence will be back next year. But Billy Bowman's been, I mean, one of the best safeties in this conference in the Big 12 this year. With somebody like a Peyton Bowen, if he came in, there's no doubt in my mind he'd, he'd be seeing the field early. I don't know if he'd start. I don't know if he'd take, you know, a Key Lawrence's job or anything. But I'm pretty sure that Brandon Hall and Brent Venables are probably telling him, look, you come in here in the spring and, you know, you grind it out. You go to work. You could be one of the first eleven out there when we when we, we strap it up against Arkansas State next year in the home opener. I mean, 
Peyton Bowen, man, I'll tell you, he's he's probably my favorite player in the entire 2023 class because, I mean, this guy just gets a gets hundred yard pick sixes, pick sixes like it's nothing. Uh, he's a really good returner. I said it last week. He reminds me a little bit of Tyron Matthew when he was at LSU, just in the fact that he was all over the place and he's just a pure playmaker. Uh, so if they do land Peyton Bowen, which I'm confident that they will, it's like you said, it's an absolute grand slam because he's a guy that can come in and contribute right away. David Hicks is a guy that can come in and contribute because on the defensive line, Oklahoma hasn't played too well all year. I mean, they just had their best game this past week against Oklahoma State, but they've struggled. And they're going to lose some guys. I mean, Jalen Redman will be gone next year. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jordan Kelly will be gone, but I'm, I think he can come back. But they're going to lose some guys up front. And just real quick, kind of like to your point about Anthony Evans, it, it's funny because all signs did point to Georgia the day of his commitment. And um, I remember, you know, on Sooner Scoop, the board was kind of flipping out because of uh, there was a lot of momentum to Oklahoma. And then I don't know where Georgia came in and not really out of nowhere because they were always there. But Georgia became like a legit uh, like they're about to land this guy. And I remember posting something about it on the Instagram and Anthony sent me a text and said, don't believe the media. And I said, OK, so <laughs> I wonder what that means. And then a few hours later. It comes out that, you know, he had a conversation with uh, DB's coach, Jamie Valai, and they pretty much told him, look, you, you don't want to go to Georgia. You want, I mean, that's literally what they said. You don't want to go to Georgia. You want to come to Oklahoma. You want to be a part of this. And he ultimately chose to. But at the same time, I have said that he is the only guy so far that I would keep an eye on as far as if they choose to make a move. And it's not because like I've heard anything, it's just because of Georgia's still there. They're, they're still on his phone. So anything can happen. But to the point I just made about Peyton Bowen and all those guys, I want to know, and you can choose a couple guys here too. Give me a couple of ga- uh, names in this 2023 class that you think could come in in the 2023 season and either start or contribute for this team right away. Interesting. Okay. Um, Obviously, if y'all land Peyton Bowen, that would definitely be one. Same with DJ Hicks, if y'all land those, obviously. But with the current commits, um, I'm not very, like, honestly, I'm not very sure on, like, y'all's whole death chart situation and, like, who who's planning, like, what it's going to look like, you know, for next season and stuff like that. But, man, um, PJ Adebore just, he just jumps off the, like he just jumps to my mind immediately. That dude is he's he's really what you call a freak. I mean, dude, freaking six four, two forty, plays with speed. Um, I mean, I watched him dominate at the future fifty. And that's where that's where we ultimately saw him uh, his stock rise tremendously. I think right now the uh, the on three rankings, he's uh, he's number seven in the country. Um, would that be a guy that you think would probably come in and have a chance to play it immediately based off of, you know, the current depth short and stuff like that? Oh, most definitely. And he's one of the guys that I, I've put on the page about because um, people have asked me that same question. And he's like the first name that jumps out because Oklahoma is going to have some guys back next year in his spot. Um, R. Mason Thomas, a true freshman at Ethan Downs. Uh, it'll be his junior year. Uh, Reggie Grimes. Um, I know I'm forgetting a few names, but um, R. Mason Thomas, I mean, kid's a true freshman, and he he's one of those guys that has contributed from the jump. And he's not as big as, you know, P.J. Adabar. I mean, he's only he's 6'2", 222, but 
I mean, as Brent Venables would say, the kid plays like hell on wheels. I mean, he's just he's like he's kind of like another Nick Benito. Um, and Nick Benito was one of those guys, even when he came in, he wasn't the biggest. He was kind of a project. Uh, they moved him around and then he finally got settled in at an edge rusher position and became one of the best guys in the country. And now he's making plays with the Broncos as a true as a true rookie, a true rookie, as just a rookie. So um Based off of what Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes have done this year, I will say they've been a little bit underwhelming, but I won't say that they haven't. They've, I mean, they haven't been awful. I yeah. think that just many of us, I mean, including me, expected them to light the world on fire. I mean, I expected Reggie Grimes to lead the conference in sacks. Like, I thought he was going to have a huge year. Uh, you know, I thought Ethan Downs was just going to take off this year. And neither have happened. And they've been good. I mean, I don't want to make it seem like I think that they've been terrible. They've been good. They just haven't been what I think we all expected them to be this season. Uh, now, at their ceilings, they're incredible. I mean, I think Ethan Downs, like my thing has always been, you might need to let him get bigger and move him to the interior next year. Uh, you know, Reggie Grimes, I mean, that dude, is he's a ball player. Like, yeah. I, I don't really know been with him the, the last few weeks but early on in the season he was just he was just wreaking havoc on offensive lines um and then of course our mason thomas like i mentioned so I, I i definitely feel like adabari could come in and make something happen right away because especially the way that this d-line rotates they like to get fresh bodies in there uh you know at all times so i could see it happening um and it wouldn't be a doubt in my mind about it but to me he's been I guess I'll say on the defensive side of the ball, he's been like the number one guy that I look at that's committed right now that I say that kid can start uh, on, uh, I can't remember the date of our first game next year, but uh, late August, early September, he can, he can be making plays for this team. Now, let me ask you this, Jalen, and I've seen your followers ask you this hundreds of times. <laughs> Is there a possibility that Jackson Arnold can come in and compete for the job right away? an alternate or get some significant time you know here's the thing with that and and i thought about asking this question the other day i think that dylan gabriel is i'm probably one of his few fans left in this fan base because a lot of people don't like the kid they think he's the scum of the earth and all i mean somebody said last week he was the worst starting quarterback we've had in the last 15 years that's far from the truth um the thing about dylan gabriel is he and jeff levy are tied in you know they, they're locked in and i think it would be kind of hard for jeff levy personally to say okay this true freshman comes in and he's lighting the world on fire in the spring and he's got to sit dylan gabriel down and say look you know, I love you. We've, we've known each other for years, but I got to give this kid a shot. Now, Brent Venables being Brent Venables, he's not going to care about all that. And he's just going to say, hey, put Jackson in. But yeah. here's the deal with that. I think Jackson is an exceptional player. I mean, and, and that's obvious. Uh, and even some of the current guys on the team are seeing it. Like, they, they, they've kind of took notice of how good this kid is. Um. I, I do believe he can. I think he can come in and compete for the job. Uh, now, I mean, it's to be determined on if they, they say, hey, we're going to have a quarterback competition. But I think that he could come and give him a run for his money because, like, here's just a little flashback. With the Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler stuff, 
Spencer Rattler had the world on his shoulders heading into that season. And everybody, he was everybody's preseason Heisman favorite, as he should have been, because 2020 was an incredible year for him. And uh, But even in the spring, there were people within the program that were saying, this, this Williams kid might be better than him. And even Caleb Williams himself would probably tell you he thought he was better than him. And, you know, in the spring, there wasn't really talks of there being a battle because Lincoln Riley never really – I don't know that's a lie. He, he always made it out to seem like it was a quick QB battle, but – this was one of the particular times where he didn't. And even in the fall, you never got a feeling that Spencer Rattler's job was in jeopardy. Now you go down to Austin, or not Austin, you go down to Dallas when they play Texas and the world just crashes and Caleb Williams comes in and, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. I think that I will say, I think Dylan Gabriel starts, but I think there will come a time where if Dylan Gabriel doesn't, get it together because if he continues to play like he's played this year if that carries on to next year i mean you can only go up but if it continues then yes he's in trouble and i think the beauty of it is you actually can bench him and you've got a guy on your bench that's worth something because here's the deal you know the last few weeks there's been so many people coming out and saying well we need to bench gabriel we need to do this well the question is you don't have a backup that's good enough to lead this team to victory because we all saw it in Dallas when Davis Bevel was QB1. We didn't score a single point. We had 38 passing yards for the game. Uh, you know, people ask, well, why is Nick Evers not playing? I think the reason Nick Evers hasn't played yet is because they just don't trust him yet. And, I mean, you would get that with a true freshman, but he's not Caleb Williams. He's not the guy that's just going to be – because even Caleb Williams had moments where you could tell that kid's a true freshman. So, you know – I think there will come a point next year where Dylan Gabriel might be struggling and then they say, okay, Jackson, it's your time to shine. Um, but yeah, I think he can compete. I mean, again, it's obviously to be determined on whether or not they have a, a, a battle, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if, it, if it turns into another situation like the Rattler-Williams thing where you're hearing, hey, this guy behind him might be the better, might be the better player. Yeah, man, right right. whenever I asked you that question, I, I kind of immediately thought of the whole Rattler and Caleb Williams thing. Um, and let me – this is another qu- – I, I hate to ask you all these questions, but um, – I do it for a little brother. You know, say, say, that, would, say that would happen where, you know, um, next year Gabriel's, uh, you know, first couple games he kind of struggles. Do you think there would be um, another potential moment where – you know, it's during the game, Dylan Gabriel's playing, you know, not doing so great. And then you hear the student section slash fans erupt saying, we want Arnold. I mean, technically it's happening already on social media. But uh, I think when it comes to that, so here's the, here's the backstory kind of like the thing with the Rattler situation kind of stemmed from more off the field stuff because he wasn't very popular among the students. And, um, you know, I don't know how well you know Spencer. And um, I do to an extent. I haven't talked to him in a while. But in all the experiences I've had with Spencer, he's been incredible. But when you talk to students and stuff like that, they'll tell you they hate the guy. And you could sense kind of the attitude a little bit when you watched him play. And I think that's where all that stemmed from of all the, the student section chanting, we want Caleb and all that came from because i remember being in the stadium when that happened and i i frowned frowned upon it at the time i mean i thought at that time that 
Spencer wasn't the problem. It was a, that you had an O-line that couldn't protect him well enough and things like that. And then as the season went on, he just started making bonehead decisions. And I understood where it came from. Um, but I could see it. I mean, if Dylan is, if Dylan's not, because, I mean, if you look back at this weekend, like, and, and some of this past weekend's woes on offense are on Jeff Levy, but Dylan's just not, he's too inconsistent. And he's not, you know, like I said, one Saturday, he'll go out and light up the box score. The other, he'll just kind of be there. And he's a likable guy. I mean, the students love him. The, the, his teammates, they love him. If you follow him on Instagram, you see, like, all the stuff that he says to his teammates. I mean, I've seen the guy in practice before. Everybody loves him. Um, so if that happened, I think it would be a little tough and I don't think it would fly over well with someone like a Brent Venables or a Jeff Lebby even, uh, just because of the kind of guy he is. But I could, like I said, I could see it if he don't get it together. I mean, if he continues to kind of be in these moments where, you know, we're going three and out every possession or, you know, he's missing guys on deep balls and stuff like that. I could see it happen for sure. Gotcha. <clears throat> No, nah, but dude, I was I was thinking about it. Like, bro, imagine being Spencer Rattler in that situation. Like, you know, like you said, preseason coming, you're the Heisman favorite. You know, um, projected top ten pick, maybe even like top five. Have the whole world at your shoulders, and then boom, you you're playing for for Oklahoma. And you know you're not doing so good the first couple of games, and then the home your own fans, bro. Just man, like as a quarterback, if I was in that situation, that that would definitely like mess with my head, and I'm sure it did his too. Like you could say all oh, you want, sure. it doesn't bother you, but it does. Like it really does. You're that's in the back of your head. Like you yeah, feel like you sure. cannot make. It, you feel like you can't make a a mistake at all. Yeah, because I I mean I seem to remember. Remember when when it happened? I think he said that like he didn't even he, he didn't say this to me. He said it to the media. He was like he didn't even hear it, and you could tell that obviously he's lying. But you can tell that like in his face, he just seemed like holy crap! I can't believe that just happened. Like because here's the thing: we we know we know this about Spencer Rattler. If you ever watched the the QB one series that everybody likes to talk about. The, the show that he appeared on uh, on Netflix. He ain't got issues with confidence. Like, he, yeah. he's, he's really, he's confident in himself. You can call him cocky if you want to. Like, he's never been that guy that's had to go through what he went through as far as the entire fan base is turning on you because you're not, you're not producing at the level we expect you to. Because, and this is the thing with Dylan Gabriel too, is like, You've got the weight of the world on your shoulders because you're coming in a line after playing after after we've witnessed guys like Baker Mayfield and, and Jalen Hurts or I mean I'm sorry Kyler Murray and even Jalen Hurts who Jalen Hurts didn't set the world on fire but I mean goodness he was still a Heisman quarterback so all we've seen in the last five six years is elite quarterback play and then you're expected to be the heir to the throne and it all goes to crap. And yeah, I could definitely see how it messes with your head because that was a thing. I think I remember saying that at the time too. I was like, Hey, 
it ain't helping his confidence any 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 less if if you know he knows he can't the the, the margin for error is so thin and i mean you look like at the at the texas game uh you know that game i mean we started it was horrible it was a horrible start and it was like 28 to 7 when he got benched and most of that had to do with the fact that he uh i want to say he threw an interception or something like that yeah he threw an interception uh and then he fumbled and the fumble after the fumble is when he got benched and so it was the constant errors that he made that i'll be honest he kind of put himself in that hole and it even happened in the texas game like I remember when he came in to for that two point conversion, uh, you know the fans were booing him, and it, it, I see how that messes with your head because it's hard enough being the quarterback at Oklahoma, and now you've got to deal with the fact that you've got a fan base that can't stand you. So what's going to make you want to? Because and this was the other thing too. Like I remember when Spencer told me that he was he was getting ready to hit the door, and I remember in the Bedlam game there were people that were like. Now, why they said this, I don't know, but they were like, we need to put Rattler in. Hey, Rattler's ready to go. Like, he's got his bags, bags packed. He's just here so he don't get fined. And you really want this kid to come in here after all that you guys have said about him? He ain't going to care about the result of this game. So let's put him in, but let's just watch the world go to crap. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and you know this just from being on Twitter. Our fan base is very uh, passionate. Passionate, but also, I don't know a nice way to put it. They're just a little, they're, they're just a little crazy, and we love them. But you know, I mean, when you're like me, you deal with fans every day. It's a little tough because you have to go through those situations where you know all you want, all you hear is people saying, "We need to bench this guy, we need to bench that guy," and and, and all this other stuff. And that's the thing I try to get to, and like I hope that the recruits kind of understand this this point of view that like and that's why this weekend stood out to me because you look at this as an Oklahoma team that going into that game they were five and five they're fighting for bowl eligibility yet every single seat in that stadium was sold out and so that that no that's how you know okay I got the support of this fan base but they'll turn on you in a heartbeat and that's why I hope that like somebody like a Jackson Arnold's probably seeing that stuff. And he's like, okay, I know I got to be on it. Cause I know Nick Evers was the same way. His parents had even said like, we know what's expected when you come to play quarterback here. And if he, if he's not, you know, doing his job well, then we got to embrace the hate that comes with it. But that kind of leads me to ask you this question. When you see this stuff on social media from the fans, when it comes to, you know, when the team's not having too much success or things like that, and yet you you go to the games and you see okay everybody's there i mean i'll tell you the truth being in that stadium saturday it was one of the better atmospheres we've had in norman in a long time and this is the worst team we've had since you and i have been alive like it's been 20 something years since we've had a team that was this bad as far as a record not talent wise but as far as a record but and we already discussed like what would be appealing to you as a recruit in this phase but when you talk about, like, when you look at a fan base, when you look at, you know, all the other things outside of coaching staffs, what could be appealing to these guys just at the moment when you see, you know, the constant banter that comes and, and all the things that come with being a football player at the University of Oklahoma and how much you have to deal with as far as the pressure? Like, just put your put your put yourself in the shoes of a recruit right now that's committed to Oklahoma. What is it that's keeping you there? Okay. Um, 
you know, if I was a recruit committed to Oklahoma, like I said earlier, the, the record wouldn't, wouldn't really mean much to me. I mean, you know, you know, you have a first year, um, proven coach in Brent Venables. You know, he had the, he had some of the best defenses, um, ever at Clemson, um, produced so many top, um, defensive prospects in the NFL and stuff like that. But obviously he's not a defensive coordinator anymore. He's a, he's a, the head coach. Um, I think what really stands out about him, like I said earlier, is the culture he instills, the type of guy he is. And he's just going to tell you straight up, like he's not going to sugarcoat anything. And that's what I, that's what I and the recruits for sure definitely like and respect about him. And then, you know, other than, other than the coaching staff and stuff like that, like you said, man, as a recruit, having having a fan base like Oklahoma has that that definitely, um, I wouldn't say it's like a factor in the decision, but that's definitely one of the the major pluses um, of committing to the University of Oklahoma. I mean, to Oklahoma University. My bad. Um, I mean, dude, like I know this is kind of, I wouldn't say like off topic, but kind of different, like. Every single recruit, whenever they go to Oklahoma and visit, and then like they post about it on social media, like they all love that how like active and engaging y'all's fan base is, and like I don't know that that that's just it's just a, a really good thing to know that you know you have the support from thousands of fans, hundreds of thousands of fans, and stuff like that. So yeah, I definitely say all that plays a big role. Yeah, and you know it's it's also been a little bit interesting too, like watching some of these guys go out and say, I mean, they've even had to kind of console the fan base and say, look, you know, and these kids talk to BV more than more than the fans do. They talk; they're around the coaching staff more than the fans are. It's easy for, and it's easy for me even. Like I'm not getting recruited by Oklahoma, but I know Brent Venables to an extent. It's easy to see why everybody likes this guy. It's easy to see why. Recruits are buying into what he's selling. It's easy, and not even just Brent Venables, but the staff as a whole. And so it's, it's it's been kind of funny just watching some of these recruits go out and say, like, the number one thing I hear for them, I heard it from Derek LeBlanc, I heard it from PJ Adabare, I heard it from Dalen Smothers. The number one consensus that we get from all these recruits is trust this staff, trust in. Coach Venables, trust in Coach Coach Chavis, Coach uh, Coach Bates, Coach Hall, any of the Coach Levy, anybody you can think of. The, the 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 number one thing they've pointed to is trust this staff because they know what it's like at the top. Here's the difference: this team doesn't know what it's like at the top, but these coaches do. So, as a player, when you have to go through the, these kind of changes. And sometimes changes for the best. That's why it's like before the season when we were all saying, yeah, we're better off without Lincoln Riley. Long term, you can see why. Because, again, this is a staff that knows what, it's take, what, knows what it takes to get to the top. They know the kind of work that has to put in, be put in. They know the kind of recruiting that needs to be done. And to see all these recruits buy into that, to see all these recruits buy into the fact that, hey, you know, it's all fine and dandy now. But as soon as we get to the summer, as soon as we get to the fall, we're here to work. Like we're we're not here to just uh, you know pump sunshine out of the out of the Switzer Center every day. Like it's time to grind. And it's just been interesting watching these guys come out and say like the number one reason they're still here is because 
the staff. The number one reason they're still here is because of Coach V and his plan. They trust what's going to happen. And there's a reason why so many people look at him and they say, this guy's going to be successful. This guy's going to be here for years. And I think I, I'm going to go to my grave saying he's going to be, he's going to end his career as one of the best coaches we've ever had at Oklahoma. I have no doubt in my mind about that. And, you know, obviously you have to go through crap right now and it sucks and you might have to next year. I mean, you may end up going into next year losing two or three games. But there's going to come a point in time where they're at the mountaintop, and you're going to look back on this, and you're going to look look back look back on this recruiting class, who is kind of going to become the foundation of this era because they're the first ones that are coming in. We talk about wait till BV gets his guys in. These are those guys, and and it's been like when you talked about the defensive line earlier and the class that they've put together with that. Not even just the class they put together, but the guys they've been in the running for. I mean, you talk about a Caden McDonald who was who ended up committing to Ohio State, but he was a guy that I, I, you know, they had so much momentum with throughout the year. And a lot of that came back because of, you know, the relationship they had when he was, when, when they were at Clemson, uh, you talk about a David Hicks, that's a relationship that goes back. Uh, you talk about a, I mean, I know there's so many names I forget. You talk about a, uh, and you probably know how to pronounce this kid's name better than me. Uh, and I don't know if you've worked with him, but the, uh, Michigan commit, uh, Eno Eta or something like that. Yeah, uh, one yeah. of the, yeah, the ed, the edge rusher. He's he was at the game this past weekend, and they've picked up some momentum with him. So there's a lot to be excited about as far as you know, just this class goes. But I want to know from your perspective because you're not an OU fan. So I want to know from the outside looking in, what is it you see? And you can include the recruiting class in this too. But what is it that you see? that gives you kind of the reasons for optimism as to why Oklahoma is going to be just fine going down the road or, you know, they're a team that can be competing in the next few years, potentially for a national championship. First off, coaching staff. I mean, th this staff that, that y'all brought in, I mean, you, you just can't, you just can't say enough good things about, I mean, man, top to bottom. It's just, it's just elite. Like I really like the coaching staff. Um, and then, from there, recruiting with with a great coaching staff like y'all have comes great recruiting. Um, and like I said earlier, top to bottom, great top to bottom coaching staff, and then a great top to bottom recruiting class this year. I mean that that only points into the right direction for for this program. And then third, with that with that comes culture, and I really believe. And what Brent Venables is instilling into this program, and I really think the only way to go for Oklahoma is up from here. Like there, there's just nothing. You just can't really say that many bad things about what's what's about to happen for Oklahoma. Yeah, and and we've we've echoed that too. So I let me ask let me ask you this, Jalen. So we've talked about recruiting like high school and stuff like that. Are y'all going to be a team that heavily recruits the portal? I think so. So here's what I think. I think for in the future, no. I think that they'll be because Brent Venables is doing a lot of stuff the Dabo way, and uh, I mean, pretty much all of what he's doing is is kind of the way that Dabo Sweeney did things at Clemson. And we know Dabo's old school guy. He does. He's not a big fan of you know NIL, and I mean, he he is, but just the way it's being used in the transfer portal and stuff like that. Now, I think that. Th this year, yes, they're going to have to heavily util utilize the portal. Um, 
you know, and they had two last year. And even some of the guys that they've gotten from the portal haven't done too much. But I mean, you know, CJ Colton's been been great for this team the last few weeks at corner. Uh, McKay Matoyer's gotten better on the front on the uh, O line. Uh, you know, Jeffrey Johnson's hasn't really been what we thought he would be, but he's been okay. Um, but yeah, they're gonna have to because. Um, I mean, like you talk about tight end, they're losing a veteran in Braden Willis, and the next guy in line is Caden Helms, a true freshman. Now we haven't seen much of him, and I don't know if he can go out in the in the spring and just you know light the world on fire. But they're going to have to go in the portal to get a tight end. They're going to have to go in the portal to get get a linebacker possibly, uh, because you know you're losing David Aguebu and Deshaun White there. Danny Stutzman's your guy, and Danny even still has to kind of get his head out of his tail a little bit going into next year. Uh, Jaron Canick's a young guy who's still learning how to play linebacker. So they're going to ha- have to go get something on there. They're going to have to probably go get a corner. They're probably going to have to go. I mean, here's the deal. What I think, like, I don't think there's a position on this team right now that's really, like, truly locked down, probably except for where Billy Bowman's at. Everywhere else, everybody's job is up for grabs. And, uh, yeah, they're going to have to go hard in the portal this offseason. Uh, now, I do think that, like, they're 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 stacking up on this class. But I think for, say, this year and possibly maybe maybe the end of next year, yeah, they're going to have to go get some guys. And they're going to go have to get some guys with some good experience, uh, maybe some guys that have been you know true leadership because that's something that they've lacked this year. I mean, Brent Venables talks about it almost every week about how inexperienced their team is uh, and how young they are. So they're going to have to go get some guys in the portal. Um, but I think like in the years to come, maybe – you know, three, four years from now, they'll probably just forget about it. They might get one or two guys, but I can't even name the last guy that Clemson's gotten in the transfer portal. So that wouldn't that wouldn't make me think Oklahoma's gonna continue to do that under Brent Venables. Got you. Yeah. So so and then this will and we'll kind of wrap it up here in a little bit. Uh and this 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 should be the last question. Uh so I want to get and if you can't say anything on this that's fine but give me give me let's let's say give me one or two one or two guys that you think that are uncommitted right now one or two guys that wouldn't shock you at all if they put pen and paper with Oklahoma maybe in the early signing period maybe in the late signing period who would those one or two guys be I mean we talked about it earlier I mean it's looking very good um, for Bowen. Um, and then I really do think there's there's still a shot. I mean, obviously, there's still still a shot with Hicks as he uh, OV'd last week, weekend and is kind of still um, looking, looking around elsewhere. You know, he went to Oregon. Then he's going back to, to College Station, I think, on the 19th, I believe. So it really would not shock me. Like I'm not, I'm not going out and saying I think uh, Oklahoma is going to land both Bowen and Hicks. But at the same time, it wouldn't shock me if y'all do. And yeah, if y'all so can, does. if y'all can somehow land both of those guys, like we mentioned earlier, that will make this class just just so much better. Like like we said, a grand slam. Yeah, and that did that did kind of lead me to one more. So the thing about Peyton Bowen is I know a lot of people are kind of uh, – and even Hicks as well. Like, 
people are kind of saying, okay, you expect them to decommit, but it's just a question of whether or not they pick Oklahoma. Is there anybody else that would be a threat for Peyton Bowen if he does decide to decommit from Notre Dame? I mean, from from the time um, from the time these rumors have um, kind of circulated, I guess it was always he's either going to Notre Dame, Oklahoma, or Texas A and M. Um, Texas A and M. I'm, I'm sure they've um, kept constant contact with him. Just as those other two schools have, um, so yeah. If if it was if it wasn't Oklahoma or Notre Dame, it would hundred percent be A and M. Which I don't know how that's um, like where A and M is currently sitting with him, like how he's feeling about him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, uh, I think that's about all we got. Um, if there if there's anything else you might want to throw out there, we can get into it. Yeah, I think we uh, I think we covered everything, man. We talked about recruiting, coach, everything. Yeah, so uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys once again for tuning in to uh, the the Power Hour with Hayes Fawcett. Um, you know, like I said, we weren't going to get too much into a bunch of scoop on recruits and stuff like that. Uh, but if you do want to keep up with all the stuff. And by the way, I do want to say this because I know there are probably people that don't know who you are. And if you do, if you don't know who Hayes Fawcett is uh, and, and why this guy is such a big deal, um, Hayes is the number one outlet when it comes to college football recruiting solely because of the fact that he talks to these guys. He He's in touch with these guys. He, he knows where these guys are going before anybody else does. Um, so make sure you guys hit him up on Twitter at Hayes Fawcett 3. Uh, make sure you get him on Instagram as well at the, with the same at Hayes Fawcett three. And he's also on on three.com doing his thing in the recruiting streets for them. So uh, yeah, make sure you guys follow him on social media to keep up with this stuff. Uh, we're glad to have you on today, man, and, and get, get kind of a chance to just see where some of these guys, guys heads are at. And then kind of your thoughts from the outside looking in on Oklahoma's current class and, we, this should get a lot. This should get some positive feedback because I know a lot of people always. I mean, I'll tell you this: anytime you tweet something remotely close that has anything to do with Oklahoma, it always ends up on a message board. And even when you tweeted that you tweeted that emoji out the other day, it ended up on there, and they thought it had something to do with Oklahoma. So, uh, people are very in tune with what you're doing, brother. So we appreciate you coming on today just to discuss a little Oklahoma football and recruiting, and uh, we'll definitely get something going in the future. I mean, I know you're really busy around signing day, so um, we'll see what we can do with the late signing period or something like that. But thank you for joining. Oh, man, thanks for having me. Hope you all have a good one. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, We're going to try to get a game, uh, or I'm going to try to get a post-game in after the Texas Tech game this past weekend. Didn't end up doing a preview because we had this interview coming on, but we'll probably do something over on the page. Thank you guys once again for listening. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Sooner Sports Daily and on Twitter at The Blitz.